Minister Chief Joybringer, and I am thrilled to bring another wonderful expert here that's going to inspire you. And I've got Chester Elton here with us today, and he is actually a Canadian-born author and very motivational speaker. He has spent two decades helping clients to engage their employees and to execute um, strategy, vision, and values. And he's very provocative, he's inspiring, and he's got very entertaining speeches. He has been a number one best-selling leadership author that provides real solutions to leaders looking to manage change, drive innovation, and to lead multi-generational workforce. Chester's work is supported by research with more than 1 million working adults, and he has been able to reveal proven secrets behind high-performance culture and teams. So I'm really excited about this because we have a lot in alignment here. He's a co-founder of a company, global company, training company that's called The Culture Works. And Chester has been called the Apostle of Appreciation by Canadians Globe and Mail. Uh, creative and refreshing by the New York Times and a must read for modern managers by CNN. So he is a co-author of multiple award-winning bestseller leadership books that include All In, The Carrot Principle, and The Best Team Wins. And his books have actually been translated into more than 30 languages and have sold more than 1.5 million copies. That's amazing, Chester. Um, <laughs> He's also been named multiple times on the top 101 engagement list by Inspiring Workplaces, which we work very closely with. And he's a top HR influencer and sits on the board of a uh, organization called Camp Corral, which is a nonprofit for children of wounded and fallen military heroes. So I love that too. And his most recent book is called Leading with Gratitude. We're actually going to be focusing some time on that today as well. So welcome, Chester. Thank you for being here with us. Uh, thank you, Carrie, and I have a wonderful interview. You know, it's funny, over the years, you just do stuff, and then I, I hear these interviews and I think, I want to meet that guy. <laughs> Who is that guy? <laughs> well, That's I think when you've, been, when you've been around the block a few decades, you, you accumulate a lot of accomplishments. So, uh, you know, you've, you've got yours tallying up there, which is great. So I would love to hear from you in kind of your own words. I've given you a little bit of an overview of a, an introduction, but what would you say... Um, got you to where you are today? What would be the, you know, a bit about your journey in a very, the short version, the condensed version? <laughs> yes, yes. You know, I've just been really fortunate in, in life uh, to be surrounded by amazing people. You know, starting with my parents, uh, my, my dad was in, was a, a radio broadcaster, and then he went into, um, into management. And my, my mom had her own little company uh, as I was growing up and just wonderful people. I have four older brothers that are extraordinary. I've, 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 I've really been blessed in surrounding myself with a myriad of, of different kinds of people, very talented people, uh, not the least of which is my co-author, Adrian Gostick. You know, when he and I started to work together over two decades ago now, um, we're, we're more than business partners. We're more than co-authors. We're, we're brothers. And um, his incredible talent has really uh, catapulted us into into all kinds of award-winning books and thought leadership and so on. So more than anything, you know, for people listening, just surround yourself with really good and smart people. You know, I'll tell you a cute story. My, my dad had a wonderful sense of humor and he would always say, you know, Chess, you don't want to ever be the smartest guy in the room. And he says, lucky for you, what that means is you can pretty much walk into any room and you're going to be okay. <laughs> so, <laughs> Thanks, Dad. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, he, he said it in such a, an endearing way. You, you never took offense to my dad, right? And so we had a good laugh about that. And 
over the years, I've, I've uh, found that to be uh, absolutely true. <laughs> I love that. So because you have accomplished so much, I'm just kind of curious, what, what has had the biggest impact in your life? Well, again, I, I'd come back to Adrian. Um, you know, our, our partnership was born out of, uh, we both worked at a bigger company and um, I had an idea. I, I grew up in sales and I had an idea with our CEO that if we could be the thought leaders in our industry and we, we, we sold recognition programs to, to companies, you know, uh, length of service and so on. And, that my job as a salesperson would get a lot easier. You know, I wouldn't have to cold call. People would call us because we're the thought leaders, right? And uh, thought leaders write books. And he said, oh, I love that idea. Or write the book. Because I said, look, the definitive book on employee recognition really hasn't been written. And he goes, oh, write the book. And I said, I, I'm not a writer. You know, I, 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 you should write the book. I should benefit from the book, you know. And uh, about a year later, he, uh, he said, you know, I've always liked that idea. You're a smart guy, figure it out. And I've hired Adrian Gostick. He's actually a writer. You've got great ideas. He knows how to write. Partner up and write the book. And that was the first of 14 books for us. So again, surrounded by people that really believed in us, that challenged us and, and introduced us to other great people. That's a great story. So which book was the first book then? Managing with carrots. <laughs> okay. I, you yeah. know, orange has been a theme in your, your whole work. So obviously it's still lasted with you over all these times, right? <laughs> yeah. We've even got our little mascot, Garrett the carrot. So yes, I'll tell you, it's really funny too. Our, our colors are orange and blue and I've very much embraced the orange and Adrian has very much embraced the blue. So we're, we're, we're a good tight team. It seems like you guys are, have a great collaboration there. So that's lovely. Um, so the most recent book you've written is called Leading with Gratitude. And I'm very curious to know, because that's something that I've worked with for many years on a personal level and also in, in the work that we do with evolution. But what made you focus in on that? You, you know, that, that's a great question. You know, the first... I think six books that Adrian and I wrote, we were working at a recognition company and they all had carrot in the title, you know, the, uh, managing with carrots, the 24 carrot manager, uh, carrot a day, the carrot principle and so on. And, and uh, because of the environment we were in and the research we were doing, it was really around recognition, which was a little more formal. You know, we talked about how to make a great presentation. We talked about symbols and we talked about multiple moments of recognition as you, as you treasure, um, you know, the award and the memories that were associated with the presentation and so on, all very, very important. As our work started to develop and we moved more into culture, and you'll appreciate this, there was always this thread of gratitude. There was always this, you know, that great leaders were appreciative of the people that worked around them, that, you know, uh, great teams always cheered for each other. You know, we, we talk about high performance cultures or cultures where people believe what they do matters and they make a difference. And when they make a difference, somebody notices that and, and, and celebrates it. So it was time, you know, several years after we wrote the carrot principle to, to come back and look at what I believe is the, is the next level up, which is gratitude. It's not as formal. It's not as ceremonial. It's the little things you do every day, more of an emotional connection to your leaders, to your, to your coworkers, and, and, and to the noble cause of your business. It was actually inspired by Marshall Goldsmith, a dear friend of, of ours, and, and we were a part of his group, the Marshall Goldsmith 100 Coaches Paid Forward. It's where we met you know, uh, our good friend Gary Ridge and, and exposed to that extraordinary culture. And, and um, 
Marshall wrote a book. It was a collaborative book where uh, various people in the MG100 wrote essays and it was uh, work is love made visible. And so, you know, Adrian and I have big followings on LinkedIn. He said, hey, will you promote the book for us? I said, absolutely, you know, shoot a video, post it and do all kinds of fun things. And so he sent me the book. And of course, uh, Gary Ridge had an article in there, um, you know, Whitney Johnson and, and on and on. And he said, what did you think of the book? And I said, oh, I love the book. And it was fun that I knew a bunch of the contributing authors. And I just said something offhand. I said, you know, Marshall, I'm really surprised, though, you didn't have an article on gratitude. Not that, you know, you should have asked me to write it. I'm just because Marshall's coaching is all about feed forward and how do you get better? And and whenever somebody gives you feed forward, you say thank you. So it's, it's very much a gratitude based philosophy. And it was very funny. Karen, he goes, you know what? You're right. That was a miss. He says, well, look, I'm the world's greatest executive coach. You're the apostle of appreciation. <laughs> Let's, let's write a book on gratitude. <laughs> I said, well, you know, Marshall, writing a book, as you know, because he's written several, it's a big commitment. Like, are you sure? You know, I want to make And he goes, absolutely. I love this idea. Well, obviously, we, you know, Adrian is a part of the team and we're having meeting after meeting and it's really great. And then he ends up with another commitment and cannot be one of the authors. <laughs> so we'd already pitched it to all these, you know, publishing houses. It's going to be Marshall Goldsmith with Gostigan Elton. What a power team, you know, and we had to say, Hey, we got good news and bad news. You know, the, the bad news is Marshall won't be one of the co-authors. The good news is he feels so bad about it. He's going to promote the crap out of this book. <laughs> you know? And, and, uh, and then just to wrap up and I don't mean to, you know, you know, add on here, but it was really funny. Um, he said, I, I feel so badly because first it was, I can't be the lead author. I can be a sub author and then I'll write the forward, which he did. And it's a beautiful forward. And we kept saying, Marshall, it's okay. Look, you know, if the, if the publisher likes the book, they'll buy it. If they don't, no harm, no foul. And, and he said, ah, you guys are great. I was, I was really worried, you know, what your reaction would be. And I said, Marshall, it's a book about gratitude. Like, what did you think we were going to say? <laughs> you guys walk the talk. Of course, you're going to be grateful for whatever. <laughs> right. And, you know, Harper Business bought the book. It's been a wonderful uh, collaboration and, you know, all, all good things. It all came from a, an, uh, a place of goodness. And we love Marshall and he loves us and it, it couldn't have worked out better. Oh, that's great. I love that. Well, that's the backstory to the, the, the book then. So that's great. Yeah. And you've mentioned... Um, Gary Ridge, who we both, you know, adore. I think he's a great leader and things like that. So um, you had, and I'm trying to remember where I saw this, but somewhere in your, in your work, I saw that you had a great story from WD-40. Is that something, or maybe you have multiple, I don't know, but maybe you can share one of the stories about how they've specifically worked with gratitude. Well, sure. Yes, you were, we're huge fans of, of Gary Ridge. In fact, he's got a wonderful post every day that he sends out to his email list. And, and, and I have a little photo that I, that I post about what I'm grateful for. So it's so funny, you know, there'll be days where you get a little distracted and I'll see Gary's post and I go, oh, geez, I got to send out my photo. Or, and I'm sure the opposite happens. You know, he sees the photo and goes, oh, geez, I got to send out my, my little positive thought for the day. So we are, are huge fans of each other's work. Well, the story we tell about uh, Gary is, is really wonderful. It had to do with the, the last recession and, you know, 2007, eight and nine kind of thing. And, and uh, he was traveling to his various facilities. It's very funny. And he says, people kept coming up to me and saying, hey, Gary, are you okay? 
And he'd go, yeah, 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 no, I'm fine. I'd say, like, are you sure? And he said, it kept happening, you know, trip after trip. And so finally he calls his wife, you know, you know, you've married well when your number one coach is your spouse. Right. And he says, honey, people keep asking me, am I okay? Like, do, do I look unwell? You know, do I give off like this sick vibe? And she says, uh, Gary, they're not asking, are you okay? They're asking, is the company okay? Because as you'll remember in the last recession, as with, with COVID, you know, people were getting laid off left and right and companies were going under and, and he leaned back and he goes, oh, that's it. So, you know, he borrowed a great phrase where he says, well, let's not waste a good crisis, right? And he said, people are hearing all this bad news. They're hearing about layoffs. They're hearing about the horror. When they come to work at WD-40, I want them to hear the good news. And, and, and he, they, they doubled down on their people. He said, we're going to invest more in research. We're going to invest more in our people development. You know, we're probably not going to be hiring. We're not going to be laying off either. You know, their finances were pretty good, actually very good. And so what happened is because of his concern for his people, first and foremost, and reinvesting in them, when they came out the other side, you know, to the end of 2009, 2010, their value skyrocketed, their product rollout skyrocketed, and and, uh, you know, they went from, what, a $250 million company to now a $3 billion company. So as, as you and I were talking b before you hit record, um, he walks the talk and the results are extraordinary. So he's, he's one of our, our poster childs for, you know, when you lead with gratitude, uh, you do the right things for the right reasons, you can get extraordinary results. And, and no, no better example of that than WD-40. And by the way, going through COVID, same thing has happened. <laughs> you know, they continue to, I mean, it's ridiculous. Uh, I wish I'd known them 10 years ago and, and, and put $100,000 into WD stock. Um, you wouldn't be talking to me because I'd be on my own island somewhere. Um, so uh, thanks for asking about that story, though. Uh, WD-40 is an extraordinary company, and it all starts at the top, as you well know. Yeah, um, I think I think we're both raving fans of Gary's oh. and, and what he's the work he's doing there. So that's just really great. And it's interesting because as you're discussing this, I'm seeing, you know, over the years and decades that I've been around, I've seen that the most successful people tend to have this red thread or common thread of gratitude. They really work with it very deliberately and, and consciously. And I'm starting to realize that, you know, maybe these amazing cultures and companies that have this, you know, a bubble where people feel safe and they're excited to get up and go to work and they're really contributing and they're growing and, and hiring people and things like that, that maybe gratitude is that common theme. So what, why do you think gratitude seems to be, you know, that red thread through all of this? Well, you know, I, I think it's such a human need. You know, we all have uh, that need to be validated. And I think particularly in a crisis, you know, one of the things we, we learned uh, early on in the pandemic is that when you're going any, through any kind of crisis or change, you know, maybe it's a merger acquisition or opening a new market or venturing into a, a new area for your uh, products and services, <clears throat> is that two things need to accelerate. One is communication. You know, because in a communication void, that void gets filled, right, with fear, rumor, and innuendo, and none of those things are positive. So communication needs to go, as does gratitude. People need that reassurance, that affirmation that what they're doing is still valued, that it's still important, that, that their voices are still heard. And nothing does that better 
than gratitude. In, in fact, when you look at communication and gratitude, they're very hand in glove, right? One of the most powerful ways for you to communicate value is simple expressions of gratitude. You know, and I love that because it is simple and it is easy and it's something that anybody can do anytime, regardless of the circumstances. And, and I'd actually like to add a layer to what we're discussing here because on a neurochemical basis, which I do a lot of, you know, teaching around um, the neurochemistry and what happens is that we get into producing oxytocin in our body. And I think our bodies crave that. It makes us feel good. So that's kind of an added layer and dimension as to why I think gratitude can make such a difference. But um, it's interesting to actually bring it into the conversation on an organizational level, because most people think a lot of these things that we discuss are these soft, fluffy topics that, you know, oh, that's, we don't need that. We want the hard numbers. We want the facts, you know, but it's, if you do these things here, that stuff is a natural um, result of it. So very interesting. Do you have any comments on that before I? Well, yes, uh, you know, you're right. Uh, our, our brains are wired to seek out those positive things. I'll tell you what's interesting is in the first part of the book, we talk about the, uh, the myths. What you just said is, you know, it's the soft stuff, you know, it's the nice to have, it's not the must have, right? And really what you find is that it isn't the soft stuff. It's not a nice to have, it's an absolute must have. If you want to really create a culture where people are excited to come to work, they, they want to continue to work with you. In other words, your retention levels are high and your attraction levels are high. You know, people, especially, you know, the millennial and, and, and Gen Z or Gen Z, depending where you are in the world generation, they want to work for good people. They want to work for a company that has a noble cause. They mm. want to be safe at work. You know, we, we've done a lot of work around anxiety at work. And it's really interesting that uh, millennials in particular, 70% of the people in our database are, that are, were classified as millennial or Gen Z said they had recently left a job for um, anxiety and, and mental well-being. You know, and, wow. and that, I mean, that's a ridiculously high number. It's by far the number. Well, a lot of that comes to the fact that they don't feel valued. You know, there weren't those expressions of gratitude. You know, the, the myths around that fear is the best motivator. Well, it is short term. Yeah, if your building's on fire, fear is a great motivator, right? <laughs> <laughs> you, you know, it's not sustainable and, and you burn people out and, and burn out in the workplace, particularly through the pandemic when you're working from home where, you know, uh, hours of work have gone way up, productivity's gone way up, and so has burnout. Mm. Because people feel like they've got to constantly be in front of the camera on the screen, another Zoom call. It's Zoom, 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 Zoom. You know, people are, are, are literally um, having problems finding time to go to the bathroom, which is ridiculous, you know, or, or eat. So all of this to say that the myths around, I don't have time, fear is the best motivator, people need too much praise, let's just get the work done. The, the, these are all myths and, and a lot of them old school and, 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 and detrimental to people. So we then go into, so what do you do? Oh, by the way, the gratitude gap. I, I love this. We did this survey and we asked leaders, do you think you're above average in giving praise and recognition in the workplace? Almost 70% said yes. It was like 67%. Oh, yeah, listen, I'm, they call me the gratitude guy. Oh, they love me. You know, my people love me, right? Then we surveyed their direct reports, and only 23% agreed. I'm not so surprised. You, this, <laughs> and, you know, you and I, we go, look, you know, your self-perception is way out of line with reality. So 
so the idea is, so then how do we educate people? What, what are the tools we give them to, to do, uh, to, to, you know, create these cultures of gratitude um, and lead with gratitude? And, and we broke it down into seeing and expressing that you've got to see what's going on, you know, to, to ask for and solicit input. There's, there's no more empowering question than when a leader comes up and says, Karen, what do you think? You know, mm -hmm. what's your take on this? You know, making sure that everybody in the group on the call, you know, has, has a voice. One of my favorite chapters in the book is assume positive intent. Uh, WD-40 does this extraordinarily well that, you know, we don't make mistakes. We have learning moments, right? Yeah. yeah. That it, it's okay to, to try something new because we, we know that it's, you're trying to do things better. I'm assuming positive intent. You know, Hubert Jolie that we interviewed for the book who saved Best Buy, you know, the huge retailer. He said, look, I may be naive. I just think that people come to work wanting to do a good job. And in trying to do a good job, they're going to make mistakes. And you know what? That's okay. Because it comes from a, a place of goodness, right? In Duranoi, we, we interviewed the past president of, of Pepsi. By the way, she's an extraordinarily good cricket player. I don't know if she, <laughs> she played for the Indian national cricket team. We found out all these cool little things about, uh -huh. uh, about people, you know. And, and she said, look, when you assume positive intent, good things happen. When you assume negative intent, how could you do this to me? How could you be so stupid? Everything spirals and, and you create all this angst and, 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 and so on. So uh, one, one of my favorites, walking in their shoes was another one about seeing, you know, do you really understand what you're asking people to do? Mm. You know, we have a, a, a wonderful relationship with Texas Roadhouse restaurants, you know, 600 restaurants, there were 10 different countries, phenomenal organization. Every executive has to do every job in the restaurant. They've got to sweep up. They've got to work behind the bar. They've got to cut the steaks. They've got to wash the dishes so that they understand that when they start rolling out stuff, that they, they've got a pretty good idea of what that's going to, how that's going to impact the frontline workers, mm, you know? That's great. Yeah. And then looking for and celebrating small wins. I, I love that one, you know, uh, the momentum and, and, you know, it's so interesting. Um, uh, Marshall uh, taught us this. He said, you know, as leaders, when you interact with your people, it, it may mean nothing to you. It may mean everything to them. You know, how often do you get to interact with a senior executive? Not often. And your little offhand remarks or the little things you say, you may not remember it. They may never forget it. Mm -hmm. So are you being the person you want to be right now to your people? And, and, and nothing, you know, builds those emotional bonds better than thank you, right? Oh, you, you've touched on so many things in, in that, you know, <laughs> everything you've just gone through. But, um, you know, we, we at Evolution work with five cultural keys and celebration is gratitude and appreciation and also celebrating those small wins along the way. Um, so I think, you know, it's, uh, it's great to see that, you know, we're, we're making it tangible in some way shape or form so that people can start to work with it and understand it. And, and you've mentioned your book, you have it there in the background, um, kind of going into the future of the book you, you guys have come out with now is, um, no, not the leading with gratitude, the anxiety. Oh, anxiety works. So I think you've kind of shared a little bit that's not out yet, but it's going to be out sometime uh, later this year. And you've shared some great um, ideas and concepts from it. But um, so where, where do you see that book taking you now? Well, it was really interesting, you, you know, uh, 
we normally wouldn't write a book a year. Writing a book is a big commitment. Right? Our, our publisher, you know, Harper Business, you know, when you write a book, they're always saying, so what are you thinking about? What's your next book? Even, even before it hits the shelves and started talking about anxiety at work because of the pandemic, it's the number one issue in the workplace. And particularly for, for millennials and, and uh, Gen Z. And uh, they said, well, we want it right away. It's, it's a very timely topic. And uh, I, was, I was doing another uh, podcast and, and the guy said, uh, you go from leading with gratitude to anxiety at work. That's kind of, you know, isn't that kind of like a 180 degree shift? <laughs> you know? and, and yet it's not. And it's really interesting that, you know, in, in the U.S. military, they're, they're rangers and SEALs and so on. When they're under a lot of stress, high anxiety, uh, they teach them ways to manage that. One of the first things they do is they teach them breathing exercises. You know, this block breathing, you know, four counts in, four counts hold, four counts out, and you do it at least three times and it brings down your heart rate and your blood pressure and so on. You know, the other thing they teach them to do is start to check off all the things they're grateful for. Mm, I love that. Not worried about what they're missing, you know, uh, accentuate what they're, uh, you know, what they're grateful for. You know, my, my, my father, had a, one of his favorite songs was uh, Accentuate the Positive. You know, and the, that old song, you'd be, I don't know if you know it, it's, a, it's an old classic, but it was, you gotta accentuate the positive and eliminate the negative and latch on to the affirmative and don't mess with Mr. In between. Oh, no. <laughs> you know, and he used to love to sing that. And, and that is, that will never be a recording or a platinum album. I, I apologize. We, we got it know. on the Amazing Leader series. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, the idea, though, is, and I love the, the last line, don't mess with Mr. In-Between, you yeah. know. And, and this idea that even in the toughest of circumstances, there are so many things to be grateful for. I mean, you asked me at the beginning, you know, in all the things you've done, uh, how did you get there? And said, look, I have amazing people around me. You know, my parents, my brothers, my, my wife, my kids, Adrian, you know, Gary Ridge, Marshall Goldsmith, the list goes on and on of, you know, remarkable people that at some point said, hey, how can I help? Mm. And how can you not then take that and pass it, pass it along, you know, pay it forward? Oh. So, yeah, anxiety is is one of those things where, you know, people, people have a hard time asking for help. Mm. They do, you know, and, and by the way, high achievers are sometimes the biggest offenders of that. They say, look, I'm very blessed. You know, we, we're in a good situation. We, we love to give and give and give. And you go, great. When was the last time you asked for help? Oh, we, you know, we don't, you know, come on. We're, we're in great shape. I said, and I had this great conversation, you know, Adrian and I are doing more and more executive coaching and, um, I was talking to this executive and I said to her, I said, well, let me ask you a question. When you give and you have that opportunity to help, how does that make you feel? Ah, oh, just feel great. Yeah, it makes you feel, makes you feel like you've really made a difference that somebody needed help and you stepped in and you helped them. And they said, yeah, yeah, yeah. Isn't that great? I said, yeah. Why would you deny someone the opportunity to do the same for you and feel the same way? And That's it was really a great question. <laughs> It's really good. Yeah. Karen, it was great. You just saw her head go. Oh, oh. 
I'm, light bulb. Hello. <laughs> I've been so selfish, you know. So uh, our, our gift really for all the people that have helped us and loved us so well and for so long is, is this book on anxiety. Eight, eight ways to really, you know, bring resilience to your team. You know, it's the old adage, it's the falling down isn't the problem. It's, it's the getting up, you know. Uh, resilience, uh, dealing with uncertainty. And that is such a huge thing in, in business today. Nobody thought the pandemic was going to go on this long. Nobody. I, I, I don't care who you think. If they said they pegged it, they, they're, they're lying to you. And, and this idea of not having the social interactions and so on and, and people really struggling. So, you know, we, we talk about overload. We talk about perfectionism. We talk about, and, and, and then, we, you know, we wrap up with, with gratitude. We're, we're very proud of this work and, and very passionate. We both had children that d dealt with severe anxiety and, and needed a lot of help to get through that. I think the levels of anxiety are very much driven by what's happening on a global basis, but then also a lot of the social media and the younger generations just have this pressure because they've grown up on those platforms and there's this peer pressure of, you know, you know, Instagram, it's all the best pictures and it looks like this fabulous life and you're comparing yourself to them and it's not reality, you know, nobody's posting their ugly pictures or whatever. So it's like there, there is that underlying layer that I think the young generations have grown up with that maybe the older generations might not understand because we weren't there. We didn't have those things growing up. So um, I think yeah. it's great that you're, you're addressing it and giving some tools and, and ways to, to, you know, manage it because um, we'll get through this. You know, we are resilient. That's the one thing I always say, you know, with, with everything that we're going through, we have the ability to bounce back. And as human species, we're, we're going to get through this. We'll find a way. We're very creative. And, you know, I think the key is just to understand that we need to be really connected with each other and not lose that part of it because that's what's missing right now. Yeah. Well, you said a couple of really important things there, Karen, that we are resilient and we'll get through and, and we do. We muddle through one way or another. The thing we can't forget is there are casualties along the way. Mm. You know, you're seeing abuses up, drug abuses up, suicide rates are up. And, yeah. and I think our job in helping people more resilient, be more resilient and deal with ambiguity is to limit as much as we can those casualties. And that's why we think this information is so important. You know, one of the things we're, we're doing and, um, uh, you know, we're offering to companies, look, if you'll just buy 100 books for your employees, Adrian and I will, will, will create a virtual you know, experience for you, and we'll walk you through it. Um, you know, our, our fees to speak and do things are, are a lot more than the cost of 100 books, right? And, uh, and the reason we do that is we really want to get the message out, you know, whether it's leading with gratitude. And of course, you know, you can find our gratitude books at, at you know, uh, BookPal and, and uh, Amazon and Barnes and Noble and wherever you get, you know, your books. And we've got a gratitude journal on, on LinkedIn that, you know, we've got you know, over 75,000 subscribers to that. I think people are looking for, for good news and we've got our gratitude posts and so on. Well, along that same line, we've started a podcast called Anxiety at Work, mm -hmm. where like you do with, 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 with your leadership podcast, we bring in psychiatrists, psychologists, counselors, and we bring in CEOs and, and business leaders and CHROs to talk about how they deal with anxiety with, with their people. And then and this was something we've never done before, and it's been incredibly gratifying. We have an online community called We Thrive Together. Global, 
And this is a, a safe place to talk about anxiety and wellness in the workplace, because here was the most shocking data point that we came across. When surveyed, only 10% of employees said they would ever feel comfortable talking to their immediate supervisor or their boss about suffering from anxiety. Only 10%. Mm -hmm. Now, you would think that employee uh, assistant programs would be skyrocketing through the pet. They're not. Employees don't trust them because there's still this huge stigma, as you know, Karen, about anxiety and stress. You say, look, I was out riding my bike and, you know, hit a parked car and I need five days off to, you know, recuperate. No problem. Mm -hmm. I've got the flu. Three, no problem. You say, you know what? I need a mental health day. People go, oh, can't cut it. Yeah, there's a lot of pressure with that as well. So, and the stigma, as you said, um, really interesting. Well, it seems like you've got some great resources there. I'm, I'm curious in terms of, because I know you work with a lot of leaders and things like that. Um, what do you see as the biggest challenges for leaders and CEOs? And, and, you know, what kind of advice would you have for them on that? You know, I, I think there's, there's, there's two or three that, that we need to talk about. One, I think one of the biggest issues for leaders and CEOs is self-care. Mm. You know, through uh, the pandemic and whatnot, you know, you've always got to be upbeat. You've always got to be on, you know, you can never have problems. You, you have the perfect life, right? You're, you're the Instagram poster child. <laughs> and, and, uh, and it's really interesting. I, I, we're finding more and more that the leaders that are being more vulnerable, which is hard mm. and more transparent, are really winning over their employees when they'll say, you know what, um, we've all been through a lot and I'm with you. Look, I, I, I need a mental health day. I've got a, a wonderful leader at the World Bank, uh, Mercy Niwe, uh, one of my favorite leaders of all time, just got promoted. And, uh, you know, their, their mission is to alleviate severe poverty in the world by 2030. Well, they were doing great until the pandemic, right? Mm -hmm. And so their people are working ridiculous hours. She said, you know what, we're going to have no meetings on Friday. No meetings. Friday is the day you catch up. Oh, what a great and, idea. Yeah. And if you need to leave a little early on Friday, turn off your camera, start your weekend, take care of yourself. Well, when the leader says that, then it's everybody okay. has permission, <laughs> right? So, so I think self-care is, is a big issue. Hmm. And I think leaders more than ever need to be aware. They need to be really good listeners and they need to watch really carefully as to who all of a sudden is not participating, who all of a sudden is pulling back and, and create those moments where they can call up. And you know we, we're great about simple little tools to give leaders. And we say, look, call up your people and just ask a couple of questions. One is, hey, how are you doing today? Because today could be a lot different than yesterday. Mm. You know, and how can I help? And what do you think? And then listen. You know, one of the most powerful pieces of advice we got on a podcast interview with Chris Rainey, who runs this wonderful online platform out of London for HR leaders, suffered from severe anxiety, hid it from everybody. His wife didn't know, his partner didn't know, his best friends didn't know. He'd make up all these excuses as to why he wouldn't do certain things. And of course he was lying. As soon as he became vulnerable, everybody rallied. So I think the message to leaders is don't feel like you've got to go it alone. 
Mm. You know, it's okay to be vulnerable and people will rally. And the thing, and the advice he gave us, he says, because we said, well, what would you advise to leaders when somebody does approach them about their anxiety? And I love this. And I hope everybody's listening and you write this down. <laughs> he said, as leaders, we feel like we've always got to have all the answers when really what they're asking for is just, they just want you to listen. Mm. You don't have to have the answer. Just listen. And I thought that was hugely impactful. Oh my gosh. Yeah, absolutely. You know, um, a lot of these things are so simple and, and so much common sense, but when you, but, but for some reason they're hard to practice or implement unless you actually like deliberately make it a habit for yourself, you know? Yeah. Um, and by the way, I, I think that's what you just said is so insightful because you've got to create triggers. Mm. You've got to create rituals you know, mantras, whatever it is. And, and, and we, we teach that a lot. You know, uh, what, one, of my, one of my triggers is as soon as my feet touch the ground in the morning, my mantra is be kind, be grateful, be of service, start the day. You know, we, 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 we mentioned in the book, gratitude journals, end your day with writing down three to five things you're grateful for. In our family, we have a tradition. At the end of the day, we say, what are your three? What are three things you're grateful for? Last night, our, our, two, our two boys were with us. It's not always everybody. You don't have to do it every day, you know, but create those rituals. And we just had the greatest discussion, the four of us, about this, the good things that happened. And, you know, research shows, as you well know, that you sleep a little deeper. Mm -hmm. your, your anxiety levels are a little lower. You know, your, your relationships are, are a, little, a little more meaningful. So simple things. And then just to close, because I know we're running out of time. Um, the last part of the book was take it home. You know, we never met a great leader that didn't, that, that led with gratitude in the workplace that didn't take it home. Mm. And um, uh, Dave Kirpin, a good friend of ours in New York, his family ritual, you'll love this. He says at dinner, we, the kids would come in and, you know, whether they're on Zoom or they've been able to go to school, we'd always say, hey, how was school? Fine. Mm. You know, what did you learn? Nothing. <laughs> so the conversations were, were, as we say in Jersey, horrible, horrible conversations. <laughs> and he, he said, so we, we changed it up with three questions. He said, when you come to dinner, everybody's got to answer three questions. Number one, what was the best part of your day? Right? Brag in the day. Mm -hmm. Two, who are you grateful for who's not at the table? And three, who are you grateful for who's at the table who hasn't been thanked yet? Oh, great question. Yeah, that's really so, good. Little rituals, you know, we, we teach leaders write, write three thank you notes a week, handwritten notes and put them in the mail. Set up your own little triggers. What's your mantra in the morning? How do you end mm. your day? You know, what are you grateful for? And uh, I, I, I'd give you the rest, but then you'd have no excuse to buy the book. So uh, <laughs> go buy the book. <laughs> go so buy the book. If anyone does want to, you know, get more from, you know, you or learning about your, your work, where's the best place to send them? Yeah. LinkedIn, follow us on LinkedIn. We've okay. got all kinds of fun stuff. The gratitude journal, our gratitude posts and interviews. We have a, a leading with gratitude live show every Thursday, which is always great fun. It's 30 minutes of whiz bang. Um, ChesterElton.com great place to go. And I really would encourage uh, any of you, since we talked a little bit about anxiety, if, if, if you're struggling, you are not alone. There's a community for you. And it's 
we thrive together.global. Come join us. It's free. It's, it's just a group of people that are rallying around each other with great ideas. We have little workshops every month with little positive affirmations every day. We drop our podcast in there. Please join us because there's no reason for you to suffer alone. There are people out there that want to help. And in helping you, you will help others. It's a wonderful knock-on effect. Love that. Thank you so much for the work you're doing, Chester, and for just being who you are and, you know, the chief joy bringer and the apostle of appreciation, having a fabulous conversation about making people feel better and empowering them with very simple tools. So I so appreciate you taking the time to be on our show. And thank you so much for being here. And like I said, being who you are and doing the work that you're doing. Well, thank you. You're right. The Apostle of Appreciation, the Chief Joy, we were destined to meet. <laughs> and thank you for having me on your show. It's, it's, it's been a delight. I, I knew it would be. Please call again anytime. Thank you.